This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia. And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. On today's episode, I will be speaking with NBA editorial director for Fansided, Josh Paredes. In this episode, Josh and I will discuss trade rumors, the Spurs signing Stanley Johnson and Kelton Johnson changing his shot selection. Let's go ahead and jump right into the, to this episode with Josh. Josh, how you doing? Good, Paul. How are you? I'm doing very well. Hey, man. So it looks like we're going to, in a way, be teammates again. You know, you used to work with us over at Project Spurs. Can you kind of tell the listeners about what's going on between uh, Project Spurs and Air Alamo right now? Uh, an agreement that we've kind of agreed to? Um, yeah, I mean, it's still pretty fresh to me. I think probably like, you know, Project Spurs owner knows more than we do. Um, yeah. It's something that I kind of pitched to our our team a while back. And um, there was a, they were able to reach a, a partnership deal. It, as far as I know, um, you know, Spurs cast episodes will be appearing on Air Alamo articles. You can probably see that already if you check out some articles there. Um, I'm sure there's going to be more potential for more partnerships down the line. We can have maybe some some of our writers on the show. Um, I think it's really exciting. Just it's just better for the fans, you know, that to, yeah. to have local coverage and you know, you know, just coverage from around around the country also that kind of merging together a little bit. Still have our own separate blogs and everything, but I think just having a voice where we can kind of just uh, have a little bit of a community. I think it'll be really cool. So uh, I'm glad we were able to to find a way to collaborate again a little bit. Yeah, man. So like I, like I said, you know, you and I have worked together before, you know, we, we used to be with us, Project Spurs. And so now, again, it's going to be awesome just to collaborate with you all at Air Alamo. So yes, Spurscast listeners on the Spurscast. Again, if you'd like to read Air Alamo, you can go read there and you can also see the Spurscast there and then vice versa to be a Project Spurs, of course. Uh, and then also, like Josh said, you know, I'm going to definitely um, have him on multiple times now, just a lot more frequently. And then also, uh, you know, some of us get introduced to some of their writers at, over at Air Alamo and start working uh, with them as well. So, all right, Josh, let's go ahead and jump right into this episode here of the Spurscast. Um, so the Spurs finally ended their, their, their uh, what was it, 11-game losing streak. So I, I know that week after week after week, since before Thanksgiving, Joe, and, Joe Garcia and I from Project Spurs would get together and we, we discussed the Spurs and they never could win a game. And then finally it happened. Um, you know, they're finally, uh, they've actually had a pretty good uh, last four games since, since I last recorded. So they went three and one in the last four games. Let's do a quick recap of, of how they've played this team. Uh, so, so beginning, let's go back to a game against the Rockets. They they won. They ended the losing streak by beating Houston by nine points in San Antonio. Houston was the favorite. This was a close game up until the mid-third quarter. Then the Spurs kind of took over, and they, and they kind of built a, a good um, margin against Houston. Uh, there was no Devin Vassell, no Yaka Perto, or Jeremy Sohan in this game. They were on the injured list. Then for the Spurs, a second win in a row, they go on the road to Miami and they beat the Heat by four points. This was um, a game where Miami was favored, uh, you know, by a lot. I think it was like 12 and a half. Uh, it was a close game throughout the game. Uh, again, still no Pirtle, no Sohan. Uh, Devin Vassell comes up clutch here against against the Heat. You know, he had some, some big buckets there in, in crunch time. And so the Spurs do defeat the Heat on the road. Then the Spurs come back to San Antonio and they defeat the Cavs this this week by one point in San Antonio. Uh, Cleveland, of course, was favored there as well. The Spurs led by double digits uh, from from midway the second quarter to about the end of the third quarter, so it's you know pretty comfortable lead for San Antonio. But of course, Cleveland's a very good team, and they showed there in the fourth quarter they started to make a comeback. They got, it got into crunch time. The Spurs were able to make plays and hold on, and then. Um, the only player who was out from the rotation there was Yaka Pirtle. And then the, the three-game win streak ended up um, getting snapped by the Portland Trailblazers. They come into San Antonio on Wednesday. They defeat the Spurs by 16 points. Uh, Portland was favored. 
Portland, um, you know, had a pretty comfortable lead from like um, most of the game, except for like late in the third quarter, the Spurs got it down to four. But then, you know, they kind of ran out of gas and Portland had that all that momentum. Damian Lillard was just going off against San Antonio. And we do want to note that the Spurs had a tough time in the paint against Portland because, uh, you know, uh, they were missing both Zach Collins is on the injured list and Jacoperto, both of their starting and backup centers. So, you know, overall, the Spurs had a great four games. You know, Vegas thought they would go 0 and 4. They ended up going 3 and 1. So this is a, you know, surprising uh, turnaround for this team. What were your thoughts, Josh, on, on the Spurs? Uh, you know, finally ending that losing streak. And then not only that, coming up with a three-game win streak. Well, first of all, our personal curse has been lifted finally. I feel like every time I'm on the show, they're on an extended losing streak. Um, so it was good to see. I had a feeling they would lose against Portland. So I was like, we're going to come in off of a loss. But those three in a row were very encouraging in different ways, especially without Pirtle, you know, their defensive anchor and very underrated in general, uh, you know, on the offensive glass and everything. So, it was good to see. My favorite part of the week was Vassell with those clutch shots that he had against Miami. Um, that's something I've been calling for, like on Twitter and everything. Just mm-hmm. I want to see that moment, and I feel like I feel like there's been a lot of moments where he has a shot to at least tie the game or take the lead, like late in in the game, it's just from the beginning of his career, and he just hasn't been able to do that quite yet. There's been, a, I feel like there's a lot because I, I watch him closely. I really want him to be like the close. Yeah. That's what I've been waiting for. And to see him hit two of those in both pretty difficult shots, just like yes. good move separation, uh, getting that mid range, showing what he like. I feel like this is something that stars are able to do whenever uh, they're called upon. And seeing the first sign of that, I think, is the biggest development of the week. Um, I mean, the wins wins and losses don't really matter. I think we can all agree this season. I mean, ideally, they'd probably lose more for their long term. Um, but yeah, a lot of encouraging things considering how beat up this team has been. I like that Josh Richardson had a great uh, game too um, mm-hmm. in there. So more to maybe fuel the trade rumors that, <laughs> that could be coming uh, very soon. So all in all, you know, you want to see as a Spurs fan, you want to see them compete, play well, but if they don't win, that that's fine this season. And I think that's what we got some wins, but you know, they're still last in the West. So <laughs> I think yeah. it's looking fine. Yeah. And so like there's two two points there. Like you, you made one of them right there was the fact that, you know, they're finally getting bodies back. Like they're finally getting players back, key players to their team. You know, their only player pretty, pretty much that's out at this point is still Yaka Pirtle. Um, uh, you know, we don't know the injury report for Saturday when they played Mexico City against the Heat. But that's one part of it. And another part, I do want to give some credit to Matthew Titan, who also covers the Spurs. Uh, he had, he had you know, tweeted how, how the Spurs, you know, just having three days off before that Houston game was really big for them, not only to just rest and recover, but also to um, just kind of just install their practices and get their defensive foundations back. And, 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 you know, that's kind of what they've talked about since they come back. And you see it there in the numbers. I mean, they had three really good defensive games against Houston, uh, Miami, and Cleveland. The, the one where they slipped, of course, was against Portland. But like you said, you know, they're kind of expected to lose that one, especially without their two starting centers. Or their, Yeah, at this point, their two starting centers. And so... Uh, I think that's a big part of it was the fact that they finally got some rest. They finally got to work on their, their you know, just their, their foundational principles. And it really showed early on and, and how they've been playing. And even even against, you know, Portland, they were up by like 16 on, on San Antonio. But the Spurs, you know, had a chance there. But they, they did make a little bit of, co- of a comeback. 
All right. So through 28 games, where are the Spurs? They are still 29th on offense. So even though they, they're three and one lately, there's the numbers haven't really moved too much. Uh, they're still last on defense in the league, 30th in net rating. They're now 19 and nine, 19, nine and 19 overall through 28 games. They're like you said, Josh, 15th out West. Uh, they, they used to be 15th out West before, uh, you know, as far as their lottery odds, it does get worse when it, I mean, it, it's not a good thing whenever you win games, because then it, it decreases your chances of having a top pick. So basically, when, when they were on this uh, losing streak, they had the second worst record in the league. And now that they want some games here, they are they have the fourth worst record in the league. Did you have any comments there about their, their rankings or? I mean, defense isn't great. I, I like the stretch that they had, even especially considering they didn't have Pirtle. I felt like uh, the letdown in the paint was expected, like we said about the centers. But I do like, you know, it's not good seeing them so low. Um, I think Pirtle coming back will will change that a lot. You know, it's very different when you have him in the paint as opposed to not. We saw that against Portland. So that's what sticks out to me the most. But nothing too surprising here. We know what this team's roster has and what it needs. So um, not not too surprising. Okay, so I, and mentioning Pirtle there, we're, that's actually who we're about to talk about next. So let's go ahead and transition to our next topic, and that is trade rumors surrounding Jakob Pertl. And also, the uh, December 15th is officially here. You and I are recording this episode on December 15th, the Thursday evening. And so first, let's go into a, a, a report about Pertl. So Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports um, wrote recently about, about Pertl. He says, uh, basically, here's some takeaways from his article. He said, you know, if Pertl isn't traded, uh, re-signing with San Antonio remains an option for Pertl. He will strongly consider. So, again, that's kind of something we've talked about before in the past, how the Spurs have an edge on other teams if uh, if um, he, if Pertl doesn't get traded this season because they have until, I think, June 30th to offer him a contract extension. And if not, they're going to have a lot of cap space. And they have, like, his bird rights, things like that, if they want to try to re-sign him this summer. Uh, league executives, according to this article, um, project that Pirtle's next deal could be in the 15 to $25 million annual range, so definitely way more than he used to get in the, in the MLE range. Uh, per Profit X, uh, right now, based on how he's playing this season right now, Pirtle is playing like a player uh, who's who's outperforming his contract, uh, playing like a player earning $27.6 million this season. You know, you just look at the base numbers for Pirtle, what he's putting up, 13 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. One steal, one block, and two turnovers in 27 minutes when you round his stats this season. And then uh, some teams that have had interest in Pirtle, um, uh, Fisher writes that the Toronto Raptors uh, have had interest in him since he, ever since he got traded to San Antonio. Um, and that's kind of been a rumor that's kind of been going around for, for multiple years now. Uh, the Boston Celtics have, have also been interested in Pirtle, but it, right now they're not active in any kind of trade talks. And then the Chicago Bulls last season did have interest as well in Pirtle, and I'm sure there's other teams out there. Uh, what are your thoughts there, Josh, about um, you know Pirtle's name being one of the first names mentioned here now that uh, December 15th has arrived? I mean, it's expected. There's been rumors for a long time, especially Toronto, like you said. I feel like I wrote about that a year ago um, <laughs> where they were interested in him. Like, I feel like ever since they, they lost him, they wanted him back since he showed a little life here in San Antonio. Um, Celtics sounds interesting to me. I feel like that'd be cool to have him and Derek, you know, with the serious t- chance to win a title as soon as this, I mean, whenever he's over there, uh, as, very soon probably, um, if that happens. I don't know if that will, though. Um, it's, right now in my head, it's <clears throat> it's like 50-50, I think. I don't, I don't know. I feel like he'd, he'd be fine staying. You know, I I like what he does in San Antonio. There's very much a need for for his type of player with this young core. Um, but at the same time, if they did want to move on, I feel like they would get their money's worth like they did with DeJounte, like they've done so often. They did with DeRozan. I feel like that, that pay, that's been paying off, you know, even though it seemed kind of iffy at the time, they kind of had to, this might be a case where it's kind of the same thing. You know, he's, 
I believe Jake Fisher interviewed him in that piece or yeah. maybe a related one where he was talking about like he's never been in a position where he's going to be unrestricted free agent. Like he's he, he's excited about that. So I don't know if you're if you're this first for an office, uh, if you want to just cash in now while his value as it as at its highest. Um, so I think either way they go, it would be OK. They, they would get their money's worth. And uh, who knows if, what Bassey could turn into after or if Collins can keep uh, growing. But I'm curious what you think. Like, do you think Pirtle, are you kind of the same way? Do you, do you feel like either way they go is is OK with you? So for for me, I think it's going to come down to the picks. How many picks are they getting for him? If, yeah. the, if the teams are offering two or more first round picks, I think the Spurs are going to go ahead and you know jump at that at that offer and and you know go ahead and and uh, propose uh, go with the trade. Because uh, because I mean because there's no guarantee too. Like you said, you know he's 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 actually excited to to go into free agency and to see see what it's like to be courted by teams. And yeah. so again, there's no guarantee. Even though yes, he is considering San Antonio, there's no guarantee that he would resign. So he could end up losing it for nothing. But yeah, I'm kind of like with you there. I'm like at a 50 50. Like I, I think it just comes down to the number of picks that the Spurs get and you know what are the protections on those picks and so I think that if, the, if it's a really good deal for them I, I just don't think they're going to turn it down even though yes you're right he's like a real um, foundational piece for this team right now you know helping this, these young players uh and, and we see how they're struggling without him uh but but so yeah that's kind of where I'm at I'm kind of like with you kind of in that 50 50 range yeah it has so, to be worth it and if not then exactly. you know him sticking around isn't the worst thing in the world yeah, exactly, exactly. And then they have, like we said, they have that chance to resign him. And so, you know, let's talk about December 15th, why that date is so important. So these are some notes from Bobby Marks of ESPN and also um, from, from my cap sheet as well. Uh, so so the reason why December 15th is so important is because uh, as of today, 74 free agents who signed their deals this past summer are eligible to be traded now. So even though, you know, trades aren't going to start happening right, right on today, this opens up kind of the more players are available to be traded. And so what's the Spurs' situation now? We know that they, the only free agent they really signed was Gorgie Jang this offseason. And yes, yeah. he, he is eligible to be traded, but, you know, they're not going to trade him right now. <laughs> anyway, but uh, so, so but with this every season or something. <laughs> exactly. So like what, what this means for the Spurs is like teams, teams that are ready to move on from players that, that they signed this past summer. This is where, you know, Jakob Pertl's name might come up or Josh Richardson or Doug McDermott. Now teams have more flexibility to make trades. And for the Spurs, they can just be involved in a lot of different trades because of their cap space that they have. They have $28.4 million in cap space now that they signed Stanley Johnson, who is probably on a partially guaranteed contract. So the Spurs have a lot of flexibility to participate in trades. And that's why that that date that date is so important. Did you have any other um, uh, thoughts here on the, on December 15th and finally approaching? Yeah, I mean, I think that cap space is what's crucial here. I feel like they they'll make a trade if if they can use that for assets. So that's really the asset um, gaining is is where they're at right now, and that's where they should be. So they're not going to make a, they're not going to make splashy trades. <clears throat> Spurs rarely do, and it's not going to happen here. They're gonna they're gonna do something for the betterment of like their future with this core of Keldon, Devin, Sohan. Um, so. I wouldn't expect too many fireworks. I <clears throat> of of the players that you mentioned, you know, Richardson and McDermott probably are are the most uh, expendable as well as Richardson's been playing. I feel like they're already loaded in that position. Yeah. With McDermott, it's like they have Sohan, um, you know, more of a all-around two-way play. I mean, maybe not two-way yet. His shot's a little <laughs> needs a yeah. lot of work, but he's showing signs of being able to create and and finish and and get offensive rebounds and, and of course his defense is game changing compared to uh, McDermott of course so it'll be interesting to see if they make some minor moves they do have the cap space too so they're going to be a team to watch I just uh it's probably not going to be anything too crazy 
Yeah, I think for them, like I think we're going to continue these next you know two months until February gets here. They were going to continue to see those three players' names and different rumors. But I think the Spurs are going to kind of hold on to those players until that that final deadline. Are they going to make a decision on Richardson, McDermott, or Proto? And you know what is the best uh, offer? So again, that, that's kind of what, what I'm expecting there. All right, so now uh, let's go into let's transition to another topic here, and this is Keldon Johnson. I mean, uh, Joe, you know, last episode Joe Garcia and I talked about how you know he was really struggling, uh, you know, lately especially with his three-point shot. We kind of went into a deep dive into all the numbers. And now he's kind of changed his shot profile. And he mentioned how he wanted to do this after a game where he said, you know, he's going to start attacking more inside out is how he's going to start playing it. So I, I've been seeing every night, I mean, almost almost every game in December since it started, the, the, the calendar flipped here, that he's been getting like 10 or more paint points every night. Now we know that he's not taking the three ball as much anymore. So that, that's the other part of it. And so I was like, I've been really interested in this episode specifically because I wanted to like d- dig up numbers and see what it looks like. And so now we actually have the numbers here of, of what uh, what a six game sample size looks of Kelden, mainly being an attacking player of uh, primarily instead of being an, an outside shooter anymore. And so let's see what let's see what the data says here. So overall, uh, in six December games, um, he's he's actually scoring more points. He's he's averaging twenty four points on twenty one shots. So he is taking more shots, uh, and he's um and he's also uh, still collecting six rebounds, uh, two assists, and uh, two turnovers. Now compared to before that, from October to November, he was averaging twenty points on eighteen shots. So so three less shots. Uh, getting uh, five rebounds, uh, three assists, and, and let's see, two turnovers and one steal. So, so again, just overall product, production, um, he's, he looks like he's being more productive right now in his efficiency uh, w- with this new shot profile. Now let's actually dig into the shots. So, so when we look at his shooting, so before he changed his shot selection, he was 48% of his shots were coming from the three-point line, and uh, 44% were in the paint. Now with his new, with his new approach of attacking inside out first, 71% of his shots are coming from the paint, and just 25% of his shots are coming from the three-point line. We do note that his paint efficiency, his paint scoring has just gotten way more, more efficient. He's, at, he's getting over a point per shot when he's attacking the paint right now in these six December games. His three-point shot has, you know, he has really uh, regressed there. He's really he's really um, had difficulty, you know, sustaining that three-point shot. So um, he's not, you know, he's, he's not being an accurate shooter from there. And we do see in the three-point data that, you know, before teams were sk- weren't leaving him open, only 31% of his attempts were open. And now teams are starting to back off of him. And then we also see it in some of his drives numbers where he uh, he actually went from from 10.4 drives a game uh, from from October to November to now 15 drives a game. And, and we see there that he's just much more attacking, attacking the basket, uh, you know, passing just a little bit less uh, to his teammates. So, so we do see that early on. Uh, there is, uh, I guess, an, you would say like, like an efficient um, uh, part of this now for, for Kelton, the fact that, that he's kind of changed his shot profile and it's working in these first six games for him uh, in December. What are your thoughts on, on how he's kind of changed his shot format? Yeah, I mean, it's working for him and it's working for the Spurs overall so far in their last few games. Um, I think this really kind of just speaks to his adaptability. I, I think, you know, when he first started in his career, he wasn't really much of a three-point shooter. He would just barrel into the basket and get some charges, sometimes have good finishes. But, um, you know, then all of a sudden he's just a sniper for like a whole uh, season and just bearing shots like moon balls and then now it seems to be where maybe they were crowding him a little bit more and he needs to get back to driving um we just need it you know at a certain point if he puts it all together and he's able to do all of it at once then then we're talking about borderline all-star material right now it's kind of just like he's working on one thing and then the next and then you know right now the next thing for him will probably be working on the ball handling on on drives to the basket where he tends to just get it poked away or just has a kind of a clumsy shot because he doesn't, he's not sure what he's going to do when he gets in there. 
that'll probably be the next thing, but it's it's good to see that he can find different ways to score. I feel like that's a, something that's been a little limitation of him. That's something that Devin Vassell has over him. I think Devin Vassell can create his shot yeah. and find ways. To, you know, he has moves in his bag that Kelton doesn't. So if he's able to kind of put it all together where he's a three-point threat and a driving threat at the same time, you know, maybe a floater threat every so often, then then we're talking about maybe a 25, 26-point-per-game guy that that you can rely on. But it's it's good to see that it's working for him right now. And, you know, maybe as the season goes on, we'll see a few games here where he just has it put all together and uh, we can really see what he can do. Yeah, so I'm I'm interested though to watch the uh, you know first of all I want to give him some credit he was you know struggling especially with his three point shot that's where a lot of his points were coming from and so he definitely took it upon himself to to change his shot selection and he's doing it this way now where he's scoring inside out so yes you're right he's being efficient right now I am interested though to see that after a few more games of this you know when defenses start changing you know they, they they're going to say hey all he wants to do is drive to the paint let's start getting multiple bodies ready for his drives and let's start making it tough for him so then you know is he ready for the is he ready to start taking the threes again because like as we see here you know he's really struggling from from his three point shot aside from maybe like the corners and so i don't know if that that shot is, is quite back yet so i that's the one thing i am interested to see in a few more games here and and you know even though he's he's definitely being more efficient he's being way more productive the team three-point shooting is going to um unfortunately be um you know ha- have some difficulty because i mean he was their, their main three-point taker yeah. he took the most shots for this team every night and so i did want to look at the numbers so the, so during the same time frame from october through november the first two months of the season and now these december uh games six of them where kelton's been attacking more i wanted to see what does the team shot profile look like from three-point land and so we do see a, a major difference here uh in makes they were they were 16th to spurs making almost 12 threes a night uh from october through november and now they're down to about 10 makes nights so about two less made threes uh so they're 23rd then in attempts, just launching threes, uh, 34.3, 12th before and after, they're down to 30.5, about 31, 19th. And then three-point accuracy, 34.7%, 18th. And now it's down to 31, 31.1%. Just, you know, that's not a good shoot number for any team. Uh, 25th right now in December. And again, it is a small sample size in December. But really what this what this tells me is that, you know, it's a lot of the three-point um, responsibility now falls on the shoulders of Devin Vassell, uh, Josh Richardson, and Doug McDermott. I mean, that those are the three players. Yeah. Even a player like Trey Jones hasn't really been shooting threes anymore. He's kind of backed off that shot as well, even though he was a little confident at the beginning of the year. You know, Sohan's not quite ready for that shot. Uh, <laughs> Zach Collins will take it if it's there. You know, those. You know, there's there's yeah. not high-volume shooters on this team aside from those four players, Keldon, Devin, uh, Richardson, and, and Doug. So now I feel like those players, it's there's a lot more pressure on them to, to – um, to, to perform from three in the Spurs, we do note that, you know, they have a tough time whenever they lose a three-point. I think they're like, they're like one in 15 or something like that. So that, so that there is some give and take there. What are your thoughts there about this? The team? Yeah, I, think I, I think I know mostly from following you on Twitter, just how bad it is whenever they lose the three-point mm-hmm. game. I feel like their record is like abysmal, almost as bad as the falling behind by 10. I think they're like, you, you tweeted oh, before. Yeah. Or it's, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the three-point line is, increasingly more important every season and it's probably not going to change anytime soon so it's it's probably for the best if Keldon is able to get that back uh, ideally he'd have both um but you know it's it's i'm sure it's going to be a process uh, part of me wonders how much Pirtle might affect you know getting people open setting screens uh yeah, that's- stuff like that for for some of these shooters and you know his passing game is underrated also so that could be a factor when he comes back spacing the floor with him down in the middle um so yeah i mean it's it's gonna happen with all especially with all these injuries and people coming in and out of the lineup and 
Josh Richardson suddenly having a hand injury, but then he's fine. Like there's a lot of weird things happening with the, yeah. with these injury reports. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, who knows with Keldon, it seems like it's seesawing back and forth. They're going to crowd him and then he's going to drive. And then now they're going to stop the drive and maybe he'll just go back to shooting threes and making them again. So um, as long as, you know, he can get, keep that confidence. I feel like confidence isn't a thing that we need to worry about with Keldon. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to see it, it trend back a little bit more. Okay. So yeah, that, again, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to see, you know, how does, how does he adapt and how does the team yeah. adapt once, um, you know, they start to figure out that, Hey, this guy just wants to drive, drive, drive. And so what are we going to do to, 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 to stop that? And then it's his three point shot ready to go. All right. So uh, the last topic, uh, Josh, let's discuss here is the Spurs did sign a player this past week. Uh, these, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, the Spurs did sign Stanley Johnson. So in order to sign Johnson, they had a wave of player and that player who got waived was Alize Johnson. So they, you know, they, got, they waved one Johnson, they still have another Johnson, they still have Kelton on the team as well. So a lot of Johnsons on the Spurs this year. Um, anyway, so, so, you know, who's Stanley Johnson? He's a veteran with seven years of experience. He's played with four different teams. The Spurs are now his fifth team in the NBA that he's played with. Uh, he's averaged, his career averages about six points a game, three rebounds, one and a half assists. Um, you know, he's likely going to be an end of the a bench wing player, kind of like what Stanley Johnson was kind of like, not Stanley, kind of like what Alize Johnson and what, what, uh, Jordan Hall were because yeah. there's just so many different wings in front of, in front of him in the rotation. You got Kelton and Vassell in the starting lineup. You have Josh Richardson and Doug McDermott off the bench. And then you have Romeo Langford, who popularly likes defensively. He's been playing him whenever he's healthy. And then also even a, a rookie Malachi Branham is getting a lot of minutes lately. I was surprised to see him in that that most recent game when they had a lot more players available, but he even got minutes. And so one thing, like you mentioned, Josh, is that you know the Spurs are dealing with a lot of injuries this year. So I think that 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 that's going to be an opportunity whenever a player's out for Stanley Johnson is that. That you know the Spurs are being very cautious with injuries this year. And if, if you just have anything wrong with you, they're gonna they're gonna sit you for, for that night. So so what are your thoughts on the Spurs um uh, bringing in Stanley Johnson now? Yeah, I mean nothing really sticks out to me about him. I I do remember he had a couple of like nice games with the Lakers last season. I think there was mm-hmm. one where he he like closed the game out. He had a bunch of clutch plays and everything. But I mean every NBA player has a stretch like that. I'm not really expecting uh, a lot from him, but. You know, maybe if there are like like we keep seeing a lot of very long um, injury reports, he'll get a chance to do a thing here or there. I'm not, did did he actually play a little bit in the in the yes. last game? Okay, yeah, I four, yeah, four minutes. It was it was right at the end though when it was. Okay, yeah, I think I had uh, moved on to something else by then. But uh, yeah, he I I wouldn't expect him to be any kind of long term uh, guy on the roster. He might just show a flash here or there. He's he he was joking that he was one, he's like one of the older guys on the team already, even though he's only 26. So might just be a bit of a veteran presence, give some intel on the Lakers. I don't know. Like he, uh, I, I don't uh, expect a whole lot, but you know, I think there's, this is just the Spurs kind of um, making sure that they have some, some safety with all these uh, injury concerns. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing is the fact that, they, they, you know, they've added now three players, you know, via free agency with that 15th roster spot. And it's really always been players like on non-guaranteed or partially guaranteed deals, um, just very small amounts that way. They, they they are able to waive a player and then they could. So I think that's the thing we're going to see going forward is like if they like maybe like a young player from like the G League that's playing really well, they can they can waive someone and then and then add that player. Or it gives them flexibility for the trades whenever they, if they do happen, you know, if they, they got to do like a two for one kind of trade, they got to bring in an extra player. 
uh, then that works out for them because they can, you know, they can just wave, wave, wave a player who's, who's on a non-guaranteed deal and, and have that flexibility. All right. So thanks to Josh for joining me on this episode of the Spurs cast. And I also want to say thank you to Joe Garcia for mixing and producing this episode. Make sure that again, you check out airalamo.com where if you want to listen to the Spurs cast, it'll be there and also read Josh and all of his colleagues works over at air Alamo. Uh, and then also um, also continue to visit ProjectSpurs.com. So from all of us at Project Spurs and now Air Elmo as well, stay safe and have a great day. <laughs>